Welcome to today's inspiration. We are so glad that you have tuned in from your living room to our living room. Today is actually a continuation of a testimony from a young man that is 26 years old today, which happens to be January 25th. Um, he's turned 26. Um, he has a testimony that's real and raw from um, being a high schooler who was doing pot to going in the Marines and becoming heavily addicted to what you're gonna find out as he's coming out of the Marines and what transpired and why that transpired. So we're gonna continue with that. But I wanna start with this scripture. Um, it says, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. He is being given the liberty today to be real and raw. So if you have little children, I suggest that you ask them to leave um, because he does not have an edit button. <laughs> But this is a man that truly is, um, knows the difference between religion and relationship with Jesus Christ. And if it had not been for Jesus, um, you would not be able to hear this today. Um, for as many times as he wanted to commit suicide, to how many times Satan tried to take him out. Um, like I said, it's real and raw. And um, we left off when he had come home from Okinawa and returned to Camp Lejeune. He was promoted. His father actually got to pin him in that promotion. And Dallas, what happened from that point when you were promoted, but you were still in heavy addiction, weren't you? Um, I wasn't <clears throat> as bad as I was in Oki until I, I kept the drinking at a minimum only on weekends. Um, but I would drink enough for that whole week. Um, it was, it came to like almost, uh, to almost drinking morning, day and night during, after work to only night times and weekends. And, and would you say that you drank until you blacked out? Every time. Uh, I've, I've, I've probably lost over at least four years of memory. Completely. I lost four years of my life. There's a lot of things I don't remember. Um, I don't remember almost a whole year worth of time. Um, some, uh, some things are coming back, uh, mm -hmm. but it's a slow process because of everything that I did to my brain with all the alcohol consumption. But um, I thought hitting corporal was going to be the turning point, but it wasn't. Um, I decided to go a little bit further, and um, I went to Georgia. One, uh, it was a, it was an op where a tornado hit, and we had to lay down a fiber optic, so they needed some electricians. And I met a gentleman. Me and this gentleman hit it off. Uh, we started partying together, and then uh, he introduced me to cocaine in the Marine Corps. It was a drug that you can get away with. You didn't have to worry about piss tests or anything like that. And I started doing cocaine. Uh, I started partying with them. We get back from Georgia. We started selling cocaine. Um, we had a good little uh, plug and we had our routes and we sold co cocaine to Marines. I started doing a lot of cocaine. Um, it brought me up, it made me happy. Also, the partying scene, I was addicted to partying. I love to dance. I am a dancer at heart. I've been dancing since I was a kid. So 
that cocaine, alcohol, it was like a perfect mix for me. And um, I almost got in a lot of trouble. I almost fought MPs for it. Um, never got caught uh, until um, it was when I came home he, for the first time. On leave. Um, I started doing a lot of cocaine with my brother. Uh, I had the money, so I didn't care. Um, I started chasing, uh, they call it chasing the dragon, and I chased it. I chased it with every single thing in me. And there was one night I did uh, a few Xanaxes, and um, probably more than I should have. I think I did like two bars, and I was on cocaine, and I was on alcohol, and I ended up putting my car in a ditch. And me wanting to be the good corporal that I was, Spiritually, I wanted to be a good Marine. I wanted to be the Marine. And I had peers. I had uh, Marines under me that actually looked up to me. I was one of the top PTers towards the end. And I decided to let one of my sergeants know. And I'm thinking in my head, me telling them they're going to give me time to get all this stuff out of my system to try to make my wrongs right. No, they recalled me and they drug tested me and they, oh, they found marijuana in my system. And that's where things did a drastic shift in my life. And I'm very blessed that it did happen because I wouldn't be where I'm at. I probably still. Now, I know that there are those out there right now saying, what, you just said you're blessed? How do you call being, and the detail that he left out was the car was in the ditch and he's arrested and this is Christmas morning. His family is at home. I'll never forget this this Christmas. I had Christmas dinner all made, everything, and we're going, where's Dallas? And um, we got, his brother said, I think he's in jail. And we called, and that's where he was. And we bailed him out, and then he called his sergeant. They recalled him back, and yes, his life drastically changed. And I know you're asking, how could this be a blessing? You know, when the enemy does something and is out to kill, steal, and destroy you, God will turn it around for his glory. He had a lot of people praying around him. I know his father and I, huh, hours and hours of praying. So you go back. Now, I want you all to keep in mind, first of all, we are very much a military family. We back the military. We back the blue. We are a political family. Um, we, we, and we are bold about it. We are not against the Marines. We are not against the Army or the Navy because of what happened to our son. But I do believe that there has been a ball dropped in the military that they are not, they are not treating the individuals. Instead, at least from a Marine standpoint, and we have found out later that the Army would have never kicked him out or the Navy would not have kicked him out. But the Marines did continue. We, uh, I get back, they drug tested me. They let me go back on leave. I come back on leave and uh, when I get back, it was uh, a few weeks after um, I was there, they told me uh, that I got popped with 32 nanograms of marijuana in my system. And 32 nanograms is literally two hits of marijuana. Like you could take a joint, a blunt, a, a bowl, a pipe, or anything, and just two hits. And if I would have drank another half a gallon of water, I would have been out. It was a slim hair that I got kicked out with. 
And uh, let me jump forward. The National Guard I was going to join last year, they said I had a 100% chance of getting in and that they sh I should never got kicked out of the military. All right, just, I just wanted you guys to know that. Um, so let me rewind. And, and he did get a um, DUI in all of this also that but, he had to deal with and still dealing with that part. Um, but they did send me to SARP. Uh, SARP is a substance abuse recreation recovery, recovery program. program. <laughs> and um, it worked for a little bit. Um, I made it. I stayed with it. I was six months clean, but I was doing the whole AANA thing, and it worked. But um, the the flaw of it, it wasn't a full deliverance. It's they believe. Um, I actually have a tattoo of one of the um, prayers that they have, but I'm thinking about. It just hit me last night that I might get it covered up because it's not. I don't think it's an actual prayer out of the Bible. But they believe that they're always in recovery, and I don't. I believe in full deliverance. I believe that someone can be completely healed of their past and be a, that new creation that God tells us in his word. Um, but I did make it six months. I made it six months, and then um, they were processing me out. Uh, they were pushing me out of the Marine Corps. So at that point, of my desire to be in the Marine Corps was already gone. And they told me that I wasn't going to get no benefits, no disability. They told me I don't, I don't get nothing, but that's what the devil wants you to believe. He wants you to believe that lie and not seek out your own information. And so I just started digging. I started digging and I started believing that I did do four years honorably. I deserve something out of all this, especially of coming out of Okinawa and dealing with PTSD while I was in, um, because there's little things that you, um, I didn't explain to you guys, which I think it's pretty raw already. Um, and some things are really, I'm still dealing with personally. But um, they got, uh, I started working on my GI Bill. That was my, I think that was how I was going to make it, like, because I had no job, no nothing. Um, I was very blessed. I had a staff sergeant that told me that I could live with him uh, right when I got out, which was amazing. Um, I started school. My GI Bill was given to me because I rated it. Um, and but now, you fought for it. I did. Um, I had to do the paperwork on my own. They didn't give me time. When you get processed out of the Marine Corps, you're like a piece of trash thrown in the trash can. Like, they stop caring about your benefit. They don't help you. So you, for what you want out of your life, especially for a military man getting kicked out, you got to do all the work. You don't get help. And so I did, I, like, I, I thought the GI Bill was gonna be my gateway out. And I was sober at the time. And I got my GI Bill, I started college. Um, I was a freshman at Coastal Carolina Community College. I stayed clean and then being in a new world, I wasn't ready to experience the civilized people. And I started hanging out with the wrong people. Um, and then I ended up, uh, I met this family, and they were a very Christian family, but they, uh, some of the family members were smoking weed. And I, that's where that wrong confidence came in. Um, I started smoking weed, thinking I could just handle it. I, I felt in my spirit, not in my spirit, but in my heart, that it would help me with my PTSD, and it did. Um, but wouldn't you also say, though, that there were 
um, those in AA and recovery that condoned the marijuana for no. PTSD? No. Well, actually, yes. Uh, there's, and me and you do see different views of marijuana, but I do believe that it can be used demonically. Like, if you're using it as a, like, an actual medical reason, I support you. If you're using it for PTSD or depression, anxiety, on certain points, I, like, I'm not going to continue, but if you're using it to get high on a daily basis and you are dependent on that, then it becomes a drug. And that's how I used it. I used it as a drug and not for the medical reasons that it does offer. And um, when I smoked weed, it gave me confidence of thinking that I could control uh, substance and be able to live life, but that's a, a lie straight from hell. Um, me, personally, I had an addictive personality, and God knew I was going to be addicted, but he wanted me to be addicted to him and Come not, not yeah. substance, and I had to learn that this year. Um, so I got out, I got to Coastal Carolina, I go to college, and I started uh, selling Molly to Marines, uh, hanging out with the wrong people. Um, I started doing a lot of cocaine, like a lot of cocaine and Molly and anything I can get my hands on. I was on a rampage. I ended up failing almost all my classes. Uh, so I just stopped, I gave up on school after the first semester. So really after you got sober through AA and SARP um, out of the Marines, then you're sober and then you start dabbling again because you've surrounded yourself with people that you shouldn't. To then, would you say in your mind that when it says you've been delivered of something, that if you don't fill it with the word that seven more demons come back, did you feel the power of more demonic influence? No, because I wasn't fully delivered at that time. Okay. Um, all the demons I had were still on me. I wasn't doing what I was supposed to as a Christian. I was kind of going to church. Like My life turned more when it was, I had to come home to get an ID for my bank account. That's right, I forgot. And um, I get my ID, lost my wallet because I got drunk. And um, I come back to North Carolina and then, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, but then I come back to North Carolina, my roommates pressure me. I literally loan him a few hundred bucks and then pays him back and now he's asking for rent, just hounding me and I just got back. I didn't know if I had any money. And I told him, I told myself and I told mom uh, that I don't have to deal with this. I'm gonna come home, I'll get my life back together. So I came home uh, and that's where I found the Holy Spirit again. That's when I started praying in uh, my spiritual, the year before I found out I had the spiritual language and then I started activating it more when I came home last year. And uh, it was great. It was the most amazing time I've had in a very long time. And then I started, uh, the horrible thing I was always running away from was to feel again. And right, when it, um, right before I started feeling, a woman came into my life and it was, a it was a blind side woman, a girl that I never expected to fall in love with. And 
fell in love with her. I ended up started smoking weed again, and we decided to do all these drugs again. I made this woman into a, a devil because I was the devil at that time, and um, we. She pushed me into a rehab while my family had a like. They pushed me into a an amazing program in North Carolina. Well, I'm gonna have to interrupt right there because we didn't push you. I'm gonna interrupt his mama here. Actually, they came, he came, drugged out, sat on our couch crying out going, what do I do? It was about 11 o'clock at night, I think it was. And we didn't, I didn't know, didn't know what to do. And I only knew one person to call. And that was Jeff and Tracy Dow from Salem, North Carolina. They have a drug rehab program, a recovery program. And I called and said, he's, he's ready. And I had been praying for this. When, we, when he relapsed, and he relapsed because he had moved out. He had moved in with, at that point, it was his fiance. They were going to get married. And we knew, we knew when we were around him, when we looked at him, we knew he was on drugs again. And of course, when a drug addict, they, they will lie through their teeth and everything, but we knew the truth. But when he came on that Sunday night, and they said, how, how fast can you get him here? We've got a bed. And that was the beginning of that. My husband and at that time our deacon, they loaded him up in a car the next morning, had him packed, we dropped him off. I'm trying to fast forward this a little bit. Um, yeah, we're down. We get to the rehab. I made it six months, it's supposed to be a year long. Uh, there's some things that happened in this rehab. Um, that I'm not going to speak about because we are alive. And uh, so I left. I left this program, and a lot of the men said I wouldn't even make it. But I knew I had God on my side, and I knew he was leading my feet. And I came home. My parents, uh, actually, I went to a halfway house. Mm -hmm. I didn't agree with some of the things in this halfway house. So I left that. My parents let me in their house. And I stayed, I'm still with them. Uh, it started coming to a point where my PTSD was hitting me harder than yeah. I've ever has. Um, night terrors, night sweats, screaming in the middle of the night, and falling in love with another woman and just getting my heart ripped out again. Uh, I think being sober has probably done more heartache in my entire life now, but that's because I feel everything and I wouldn't change it for the world. Um, but it's still hard. Uh, the Christian life is hard. But God is amazing. Uh, going back to what the military told me, I was never going to get anything. Uh, I'm currently uh, now at 90% disability because of the things that happened in the Marine Corps, the physical aspect, the emotional aspect. And that was God. God, uh, he literally made that way. Um, I have, I'm not worrying about money anymore. I'm more bored. I'm just bored. Like, there's really nothing for me to do in life. And I think that's where I'm at right now, is trying to figure out. Uh, what, do you feel that, you're, I, that now that, you're, that you are sober, almost, almost 17 months, you're, you're working into your second year of sobriety, that now with his relationship with Jesus Christ, that now you're discovering the identity part? Yes. Of actually who you are and what he has for you and what he wants for you. 
it, it's a it's a tough road. Being a Christian is probably the hardest thing. That's why I say Christian. Like if a man that claims Christianity, he's a real man because it's probably the hardest road you'll ever walk on. But do you regret it? No, because I know where I was and I know where I want to go. So as you can see, this is a continuing story for anybody who's in recovery or has been in the, the pit of hell and they're coming out that it's a continual story. It's maintaining your deliverance that once you're delivered, you've got to maintain that deliverance. You've got to be continually working on that walk because if you don't, with him, the demons just came stronger. And he is walking one day at a time. I know that's a cliche saying. It's an AA saying. It's a Jesus saying. You take one day at a time and you live on purpose. It's being purposeful. He was just very real and raw with you. He's bored now. In that boredom, though, is where he's going to find his identity. And you're saying, well, he's not completely through his deliverance. No, he's not. But I wanted you to see what deliverance looks like from start to it's not finished. I'm delivered. I was delivered. For many of those of you that have heard my testimony, knew that I was addicted to pornography. I was addicted to adultery. I was addicted to fornication. I've done it all. But I have to maintain it. Because one time that if I were to pick up my phone and look at porn for 20 seconds, I promise you I'm going to have to deal with so many demons that I'm going to have to go through deliverance all over again. We have to maintain it. You know, God has been telling me in the last month that he is looking for a bride without blemish. That's scripture. He's also looking for a bride that their hands are, their heart is pure, their hands are clean, and they keep their minds renewed. That's what the whole armor of God is. This is what Dallas is learning, is not just discovering his identity, but learning how to put on that whole armor of God and fighting in a spiritual way instead of wanting to fight in a natural way. There are times that I've heard him come down the stairs, especially in the political arena that we are in right now, and let's just fight him. It would be so much easy. But saints of God, we're in a spiritual warfare for souls, for life right now. This is what we're fighting. There's no more practice. There's no more, oh, let's go to 50,000 conferences and learn all we can in hopes that somebody gets saved. No, we're on the front lines now. We're called to battle. This was a soul I had to battle for. I'm fighting for your soul day and night. That's what I do. I'm an intercessor. I'm a prayer warrior. He's a prayer warrior. I've heard him pray for people and wonder, where did he even learn how to do that? Because he was raised with a praying family. That, forget pastoring, forget prophets, forget all of that. A praying family, a family that prays together, stays together. And though there may be a whole lot of mess and a whole lot of junk and a whole lot of dirtiness, if you will call on the name Jesus, I, I bet if I were to sit here and ask Dallas how many times he's called on Jesus, he probably couldn't count. Because it was only Jesus that saved his life. It was only Jesus that's going to show him in all his fullness who he is. And he's at the, he, in his story right now, he is at the point of discovering, okay, God, now what do I do? He's in that quiet time of seeking. In your final thoughts, how would you encourage someone, you've got about one minute, to... Well, you asked me last night... Uh... What's that one scripture that has stuck with me mm. for this whole time? I guess it's a good uh, time to end it with this. Uh, I am my beloved and my beloved is mine. Solomon, Solomon yes. 6, 3. And it's this ring uh, my dad gave me when I was a little kid. Um, 
it's, I don't know how it stuck with me. I was thinking about that last night. You know? Out of everything that I've gone through, this ring has still been on my finger. And this ring is probably going to go to my child because that's the one scripture that I've held on to because God is my beloved and he is mine. And what does that mean to you when you hear those words? That I'm in his hands. Amen. Amen. Did you hear that? That he's in his hands, that through everything that you've heard, he knows he is still in his hands, that that is his everything. Wouldn't you say that? So as we close out, will you close out us in prayer for somebody out there that is afraid, afraid to be real, afraid to be raw, afraid of dealing with the stuff? Will you pray for them? Dear Heavenly Father, God, we come to you and we thank you for today. Father God, I thank you for all the souls that are going to be listening to this, this broadcast, Father. Father God, I just ask that you just woo them with the spirit yes. pull on their hearts father god allow my testimony you, or the light that's in me to oh, show them that there is a path and there is a, a way yes. out and then you are the way and you are the light father god father god i thank you for this day again and i thank you for the breath that you give in every single person in this building in jesus name i pray amen amen we want to thank you for joining us Stay tuned. We have other interviews that we're going to be doing over the next few months. You're going to be hearing more from Dallas and his father. Um, we're excited that you're allowing us to tune in and come into your living room with truth. We pray that the truth shall set you free. We pray that your ears heard something today that will show you who you are in Christ Jesus and how much he loves you because he loves you more than you could ever imagine. We love you, thank you, but more importantly, Jesus loves you. God bless. I appreciate y'all watching uh, our show uh, this evening. If there's anything, anything whatsoever that you have heard that has uh, spoken to your heart uh, and, uh, and you feel the need to either rededicate your life or uh, turn your life over to Jesus, uh, I encourage you uh, to uh, to uh, reach out to us. Uh, we would be more than happy to speak with you uh, either on the phone or, or via email or however. You can reach out to us uh, and, uh, and it's easy. We can say a prayer for you. Uh, I, it's, 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 Jesus says uh, to Nicodemus uh, that you must be born again yes. uh, to enter into uh, the kingdom of heaven. Uh, so I encourage you uh, to turn your life over. Uh, if you need to rededicate, uh, that, that is also to turn your life back to. Repentance is simply turning from where the direction that you were going to a new direction. You're no longer a, uh, the old uh, person that you are, but you become a new person through the gift of salvation. So I encourage you to reach out to us at eaglewingsfaith.org. Uh, you can click on the tab, uh, contact us, uh, and you can put it through the website, or you can email us straight, ewfmchurch uh, at gmail.com. Um, and uh, we look forward to hearing from you. Uh, God bless you, and we will see you later.